listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Today we are talking about something extremely important, and it's you know it can be a little bit controversial, but it's this idea of singleness. Yeah. I should maybe remove this while I talk about No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's not in here tonight. Anyway, so when I start to think about this, the word singleness, I start to think about different songs that talk about being single, okay? So I'm going to show you guys three examples of this idea of singleness. Some of them may be enlightening to you, and some of them may just bring a new perspective. Uh, the first one is from American Idol uh, Kelly Clarkson. Yes. We've all sung this song at the top of our lungs, haven't we? You guys ready? Let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three. Since you began. Okay. No, no, you were off tune. Anyway, here's the thing. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever read the words to this song? I mean, it's creepy. Here we go. Since you've been gone, I can breathe for the first time. Here's the thing, if you are in a relationship right now and you can't breathe, you should probably get out. So this sounds like a terrible relationship that Miss Kelly is in. She says, I'm so moving on, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Is that how it goes? And thanks to you, now I get what I want. I mean, this is the worst relationship that you could possibly ever imagine. You can't breathe while you're in it, and now that you're gone, I finally got what I want. I mean, it's ridiculous. Not only that, there's other examples of this. Uh, The next one is from the Queen Bee herself. And it's the obvious song when it comes to singleness, single ladies. Okay, so if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Honestly, I think I've been singing this wrong the entire time. But when I looked up at the actual lyrics, she's saying they've broken up. Maybe I'm an idiot. Anyway, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Now, some of you who are couples right now um, are probably nudging the other person like, hello, give me that ring or it's going to turn into a should have. But she has this whole perspective of if you like something, you should put a ring on it. Then we get to the most important one, uh, the songbird of our generation, Miss Taylor. Yes, I don't use your last name, don't have to. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And I truly believe that Taylor summarizes singleness in the best way you could possibly ever do. In the song, can anyone guess? 22. Here's what she says. She says, we're happy, we're free, we're confused and lonely. At the same time, it's miserable and magical. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing, everybody. If you want to make a hit song or you like to write songs, the only thing you have to do is add the word yeah in it. That's what I learned from here. I mean, you think about it, little John, Usher, Usher, everybody. Yeah. Anyway, if you look at what she wrote in this, uh, in this part, it genuinely summarizes singleness, in my opinion. You know, sometimes you feel happy, and then all of a sudden you feel free. Then you get really confused. Then you get lonely. At the same time, it's miserable, but magical. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Taylor, this is all I'm saying. Taylor truly embodies everything that everyone feels when it comes to singleness. And honestly, if we're all honest with ourselves, every stage of life, am I right? 
Taylor speaks to every stage of life. She tells me when to shake it off when the haters talk, to put a cardigan on in order to get out of the woods when I'm lost, to listen to Tim McGraw when I'm sad, have the wildest dreams, and live my life as a blank space. Thank you, Taylor. Let's pray. God, we just pray for Taylor's salvation. Anyway, if you've seen her documentary, she drops the F-bomb numerous times. Makes me nervous. Anyway, <clears throat> Taylor Swift literally summarizes singleness. I truly believe it. You can be happy. You can be free. You can be confused and lonely at the same time. It's miserable and magical. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot that part. Anyway, I'm a dad. Here we go. This is exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. And I want to focus on the confused, the lonely, and the miserable section first. Because if you're single, a lot of the times, this is how you feel. And here's why. The first thing is that what we do when we're single is we have comparison to others. Amen? They have it. Why don't I have it? Social media makes it extremely difficult to avoid this comparison to others. You know, people are around, they're taking pictures of them and their bae. Not only, is that still cool or is that not cool anymore? No, okay, they all shook their head. Their boo, no. Their significant other, no. Okay, the person they're dating. They take all these pictures with them. We see it in their stories. We see it on their posts. We look at them. We kind of get a little envious if we are in this single mentality. Not only that, they're getting dressed up to go somewhere. And a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're just going to sit, eat popcorn, and watch something on HGTV. No, just me. Anyway. A lot of us, though, when it comes to social media, we look at this and we compare ourselves to the other. Also, culture doesn't help when it comes to this. Let's think about The Bachelor. Let's think about Bachelor in Paradise. Rest in peace, Chris Harrison. Anyway. Sorry, you shouldn't have said something. Anyway, here we go. You look at those shows and what are they promoting? That you would find someone, that you would experience someone, you would make out with someone. Oh my gosh. I know exactly who said that and shame on you, miss. I mean, you think about a super spreader event, am I right? Last year, North Georgia. Anywho, uh, you think about the shows and the, and the culture and they all tell you, hey, you need to find someone. You need to get someone, you need to have a relationship because if you get that relationship, you are going to be happy. The second thing that when we're single, we have, feel this tension of what's wrong with me? Hello, I'm a 10 out of 10. Why isn't anyone noticing? I mean, what in the world? Is it my personality? I know that's not true. Is it my looks? Absolutely not. Or is it just who I am? I mean, a lot of us, we start to think about that, the comparison, not only that, but what's wrong with me? Now, I don't know about you, but I started to view singleness as a waiting room. It's a waiting room. And there's two types of people who are in this waiting room. You got number one, the person, think about going to a doctor's office or to a dentist or whatever. There's one type of person who is in the waiting room who comes prepared to sit down and wait and they are ready to party. Okay, this person brings out Uno cards, maybe a crossword puzzle, Sudoku, even though I have no idea what that, how you even do it. They come prepared because they know that they're going to have to wait. But you know what? We're going to enjoy it while we're here. This also looks like, especially probably in your campus, the person who's ready to party, this is the person who's willing to sleep with anybody, 
This is the person who you may know who makes out and hooks up with whoever. It doesn't matter. I'm single. I'm waiting. You know, when I get to that finish line of marriage, you know, then I'll, I'll settle down. So you got one person who's ready to party. The second person in the waiting room is definitely the impatient waiter. The impatient waiter. Now, here's the thing about impatient waiters. This is the person that in the, if you, have any of you ever gone and gotten your driver's license? You guys know how terrible that process is? You walk in, you pick a number, and you sit there and you start watching the ETAs go down and over again. And you sit there and it's like, hey, in seven hours, you'll be able to stand up, take a picture, and we'll print your license off. I go crazy in those moments. And for a lot of us, and for people who are in the waiting room, you have a lot of people who are impatiently waiting to find their someone. There's people who are waiting impatiently to find their significant other. And if you're honest with yourself, and I'm honest with myself, when it comes to this idea of singleness, we view it as a, se- a season to escape. Once I get past this, then I can get to the finish line. Now let's talk about the finish line for a minute. So you got the waiting room, everyone in the single world, and you got the finish line, which is marriage. When I was single, I looked at marriage as the solution to end all the problems in the world. Movies say this, culture tells us that, and in your head, if you're honest, sometimes you even think this way. Here's how it works practically. Guys, you think in the back of your head, oh, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have so much sex that porn is never going to be an issue. That lust is never going to be an issue. That if I get to the point where I finish, I get to the finish line, that that's not even going to be an issue. Now, ladies, you want to be loved. You want to be feel a valuable, you want to be important. And as soon as that other person says, I do, they are committed to you. And that other person will finally make you feel valuable. Here's the truth about marriage. It is not a finish line. It is only the beginning because marriage actually amplifies your sin and amplifies the bad. So when we start to analyze this idea of singleness and trying to get to the finish line of marriage, we need to take advantage of the time that we have in our single lives. So let's readjust our perspective. Let's start looking at what scripture says about this idea of singleness. So there's this guy, his name was Paul. He used to be called Saul. That's so funny to me. I don't know why I laugh every time. But Paul was known as Saul before he was a Christian. Then he became a Christian and changed his name to Paul. How original is that? I'm going to change a letter. Paul wrote a letter, though, to the church in Corinth, basically saying how to live like Jesus in in the eyes of what Christ has done on our behalf. So he writes this letter to this church. Hey, this is how we're supposed to change our perspective because you have accepted Jesus. You started to follow Jesus. And since you started to do that, that's how we are going to change the perspective. And that's where we're going. We're going to become more like Jesus. And so more in depth, the scripture that we are going to look at tonight, the backstory is a little crazy. You see, Paul is calling out this church in Corinth because of how they handled a son sleeping with his father's wife. 
if you think the Bible's boring, it's not. And honestly, that sounds like a TLC show. They don't give us the full context. Hopefully it wasn't his actual mom. Anyway, Paul actually preferred this idea of singleness. But don't freak out. I'm not telling you that, hey, you are going to be single for the rest of your life. No, Paul offers a different perspective than what our culture does. So here's what Paul says. He says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. The way that it says in the message version is this. It says, sometimes I wish that everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways. How many of you kind of look at that verse and just go, (laughs) but Paul, who had lived a lot of life, realized something extremely important. In order for him to accomplish the goals that he wanted to accomplish, he realized that the best life for him was the single life. Because Paul had a mission and he had a vision to change the world. He knew that he needed to live that way in order to further the gospel. He didn't have to worry about another person. He didn't have to get their buy-in. He doesn't have to have any, make any plans involving or considering another person. He absolutely wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And there was nothing going to stop them. And Paul says something so significant. He says, singleness is a special gift. And for some of you, I'm sure you're sitting there thinking, Paul, I don't want to hear that. You don't know what it's like being single when everyone else has someone. I'm confused. I'm lonely and miserable. So Paul continues on and he starts to plead his point even further. In 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 34, he says this. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world and how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. What Paul is saying is he wants you in your singleness to be, feel free from concern. That phrase could be translated as anxieties. And this word shows up actually five times in the next couple of verses. And remember, he's talking specifically to single people. He's basically saying, the reason I urge you to stay single is because I want you to be free from concern or anxieties. You see, a married person though, a married person has his or her interests divided. But when you're single, you have fewer distractions, that keep you from the service and devotion to Jesus. You see, relationships are great, but relationships are distracting. I mean, think about it. When you start dating, you're on the phone until 2 a.m., if not later. You lose your sleep. You have less time for yourself because you're constantly thinking about the other person. You have less money because you're going on dates or that guy wants to make sure that he has a good impression and he's going to take her to Johnny B's. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Please don't go to Johnny B's at 2 a.m. Anyway, <clears throat> you're going to have less money. Not only that, you are going to have weekend plans where you are going to do things like you're going to go up to the apple orchards 
grab a Starbucks pumpkin spice latte, watch the leaves fall. Isn't it magical? You're going to have weekend plans. It's going to take you away. It's going to divide your attention. Relationships are great, but relationships are distracting. And then you get engaged. And when you get engaged, you have to figure out how to pay for the ring. You got to go and do registries, which are a blast. Let me just tell you. Not only that, you got to start the whole wedding planning. Relationships are distracting. And then you get to marriage. You have to learn how to live with someone else. You have to decide where are you going to live. You have to start sharing a bathroom. You laugh. I remember the first week of marriage, we had just moved into a house. And I remember that morning, I had put my contacts in and left my contact case on the counter. Did you guys know that's a sin? (laughs) So my wife looked at me and she said, you going to put that away? And I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. But in my head, I was thinking to myself, in eight hours, I'm going to take these contacts out and put them right back in the case. I'm telling you, it's very interesting living with somebody. Then you have to decide about splitting holidays with family you got to entertain and be around in-laws. And then one day you have kids. You see, relationships are great, but relationships are distracting. You see, Paul is showing us the beauty, the value, and the purpose of being single. Because you don't have to worry about anything other than that. So singleness is actually a gift which is why he wraps up the passage in verse 35. He says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in an undivided devotion to the Lord. You see this word for your own good. Good is a profit. It's an advantage for the context of service to God. Singleness is not some cruel punishment. There is a benefit for those who are single. And this word restrict, which literally means throw a noose around your neck, you are more restricted and distracted in relationships. Paul's point is that you will never have more time, more energy, more money, and more freedom than when you are single. And in some ways, you are more restricted while dating and married than while you are single. You will never have more time to figure out who you are and who God has made you to be, and the incredible plans that he has for your life. Now, let me be clear. Marriage is so hard. It's great. It's amazing. But it is hard. I've been married for eight years, and she is incredible. She's a small group leader here. So hot. And (laughs) just kidding. Well, no, I'm not kidding. Anyway. (laughs) But in every single phase, every single phase of marriage has brought different things. And this last one with kids has been by far the hardest. You see, I'm constantly, no matter what, 
viewing decisions through a lens of how does this affect my wife and my two kids? The way that I spend money, the way that I spend my time, the way that I travel. I mean, every decision I make impacts someone else. And it matters because there are three people who matter on the other side of any decision that I make. But when you're single, you don't have to worry about anyone but yourself. You see, singleness is a season to embrace, not a season to escape. So while you're in the waiting room, while you are single, and single even for the context of you're not married, while you are in the waiting room to get to the finish line, which is really just the beginning, I think there are a few things that you can do in order to prepare yourself for this stage of life. The first thing that I would love to encourage you to do when it comes to being single is spend time with God. Now, I'm not trying to give you some cliche church answer, but think about the amount of time that you have right now that you could actually spend reading Scripture, reading the accounts of the disciples who were with Jesus, who witnessed what Jesus did, What if you start to actually spend time to look at the context of Scripture of what it means and you start diving deep because it is life-changing truth that can change the trajectory of your life? What if you decided, hey, I'm going to pick a time, I'm going to pick a place where I am going to spend my time with God? Because spending time with the one who has created you will only help develop you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He's given you everything that you could ever imagine. And spending time with him will not only fuel you up, but it will, be able to, it will allow you to pour yourself out to those who are around you. The second thing that I think you can do is this. Get involved in God's work. Now, here's what I mean by that. Whether you know it or not, each and every one of you has influence. And I think you have the potential to invest in the next generation. You have people who are behind you that are looking to you. So my encouragement to you is to actually get involved in the church. It doesn't have to be this church. It can be a church in DeLonga. It can be anywhere. I think that you need to get involved in a church. I think that you need to be a small group leader. I think you need to start leading the generation is after you. Maybe one way that you connect with God or getting involved in God's work is going on a mission trip. Maybe for you, it's just traveling and experiencing different cultures in the way that you can see God's handiwork all over the entire world. The third thing is this. I want you to cultivate some meaningful relationships in this idea of singleness. Spend time Making memories with your community. When you are in a relationship, there are distractions everywhere. When you are single, you can spend time making memories with your community. These are the people that you're going to look back on this time with. These are the people that are probably going to be in your wedding. These are the people that you need to take time to make some memories with them. 
Truth is, is you only get to do college once unless you fail. Those people around you, your community, you're laughing because you did fail. <laughs> that community around you, this only happens once. Make sure you are taking advantage of the people who are around you, building each other up, caring for each other, walking through things together. The last one is invest in yourself. One of the coolest things that we do here is small groups, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. But small groups are a way of investing in yourself. Showing up to small group, listening to small group leaders, having discussion with people that are around you, that's how you invest in yourself. Maybe for some of you, you need to see a counselor. That was the most game changer thing in my entire life. Maybe for some of you, you do need to see a counselor. Maybe for some of you, you need to be around a great married couple to help you know what to look for in marriage because your parents did not represent it to you. I remember Tiffany and I, um, we served in Young Life. We love Young Life. It's one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me. And there was a married couple who literally led the area that we served in. And one of the most beneficial things was just going to their house experiencing the way that they do life and watching the way that they interact. I think one way that you can invest in yourself is figure out what is that married couple that I can just go watch, that I can see how people healthily have dialogue, that I can see people how they raise their kids. I think that's one of the most important things that you can do in this moment of singleness. Here's the thing. Last thing that I'll say. The Apostle Paul was the most successful missionary that has ever lived. He did more in half of his life than we'll probably do in our entire lives. And he did that because he embraced this idea of singleness. Again, I'm not saying you're going to be single forever. But what Paul did in his singleness changed the trajectory of the entire world. We are still talking about the words that Paul wrote. He put his heart and his soul into making sure that others heard the life-changing truth of Jesus. And the same thing could be said for you. You can do that. You can make a huge difference in the lives of others. So while you're in this season, while you're in the waiting room, just know that this isn't a season to escape, but this is a season to embrace. Because when Paul did, he changed the world. And I believe that you can change the world as well.